Well, this is the new year, and I don't feel any different. I can finally say it. It's 2016, episode number 28, and we're back. We're getting real close to 30. Yeah. Speaking of getting real close to 30, someone's got a birthday coming up, don't they? Hey, oh, it's coming. Was it ah, Sunday? Sunday, baby. Uh, but we'll uh, let's talk about that in a moment. Let's first introduce our guest this week, Derek Scarlino, who I'm very excited about. Uh, I've been trying to get him on for a while, ever since he did the uh, Syrian refugee event. I heard he's not the only person here this week. Oh, he's not. Interesting. <laughs> Episode 28, folks. It's good to be back. Accepted that I will be thirty by the time the next episode airs. Dude, it's not... not so bad. I gotta tell you, like no, I know. thirty. Uh, I no, know. no, but even outside of the like, where you just being like, oh, I know because I have to say it's not so bad. It's really not so bad. <laughs> I was taking stock of my life the other day, as people tend to do when the new year turns. And I was kind of looking at it, and I was looking around. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, at thirty years old, I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot. I can't really complain. Oh yeah, no, I think I, things definitely. I, I've seen scenarios in my in my psychotic head where this was all worse. And to right? be like, and well, to be fair though, 2015 has been a come up for both of us certainly, sure. and for a lot of people we know. Sure. Like 2015, sort of like late eleventh hour game change. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, life's all right all of a sudden this year. Uh, so, quick updates before we get into this week's episode. Um, yeah. We, uh, we're still finishing up Uticast.com, but it is still on the way. Coming. I don't know if it will be next week because of the New York City trip. I don't know how much. Time. Should we? You, you want to explain the New York City trip a little bit? Yeah. Explain what's happening yeah. here. Yeah. So uh, next week, either late Saturday night or early Sunday the tenth. Got to be Saturday night. Got to be Saturday night. I it think does. it should be Saturday night. Um, uh, Kevin and myself, and uh, sometimes guest host of the show Justin Parkinson, are taking a boys trip to my former hometown, New York City, specifically Brooklyn, New York, where we're going to spend a couple days celebrating my thirtieth birthday. Um, because of this, we're going to have to do some sort of different episode. So, so the trick is, I mean, we're we're going to be in New York on Monday. We're going to be, like, deep in having been in New York for a couple days. We always tape the show on Monday. Now, one of my favorite things about us doing this show is the consistency. Sure. Every Tuesday, you know the episode's going to come out, and I hope we never have to break that. Sure. That being said, we're going to have to figure out something to do, whether we do this... Live in the car on the way down. Live in the Whether car. Whether we do this live from somebody's apartment in Brooklyn. That's probably what'll happen. I think if we can get an interview done in the time to, to for this week, we'll see what goes on. I'm not super concerned. There will be a show. So, folks, for interviews, our standards are very low this week. If you want to get on but you don't think you have what it takes to make it on previous episodes, this could be your week. Slide uh, into Sam's DMs. It's very true. Also, his birthday's coming. Ladies, slide into Sam's DMs. Why don't you slide? And I'll, <laughs> oh. That's a... It's a Goo Goo Dolls reference. I heard um, you. So, uh, how was your New Year's Eve, buddy? We spent the same. <laughs> we were. We had. We like like we didn't hang out on New Year's. Uh, New, so New Year's Eve was funny because we had some people over the house. The guys that live upstairs, us, a couple other friends, some new friends, some old friends, but not too many people. And uh, everybody just stayed in, and we watched The Revenant. 
totally legally yes. on our television at home, even though it just came out six days ago. I don't know if you know this. I may or may not be a member of SAG, so I get free screeners. That's a lie, but it is screener <laughs> season, so fire up your BitTorrent <laughs> machines and watch all the movies. What did you think of The Revenant? Uh, the Revenant was The Revenant was definitely good. I feel like that's the the disclaimer I have to make. It was great. It was a really good movie. Um, it was about two and a half hours. It could have been about two hours. The director got a little bit self-indulgent, but that being said, everything he shot was exquisite and gorgeous. Yes. I would recommend watching it, maybe not on New Year's Eve. We sort of got hustled into watching it. Um, it was funny. We were watching the movie, and then like I remember somebody looked at their watch or looked at their phone like, oh, it's 12.06. Happy New Year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, first image of 2016 <laughs> is DiCaprio crawling, crawling on the, the snow in the ground. Just sad. Yeah, uh, spoiler alert for The Revenant. If you do go see it, you will see a lot of Leonardo DiCaprio looking pained, crawling through the snow and moaning. There's yes, plenty of that. Lots of that. Uh, speaking of pained, crawling on the floor and moaning, I happened to catch a little bit of a case of food poisoning on the first three days of 2016. Yeah, you've been shot. Um, I don't know how it happens. I don't know what I ate. And it wasn't... This was actually... I've had food poisoning before. Off of mm-hmm. some clams, which is one of the worst things that's ever happened right. to me in my life. Reason number 76 not to eat clams. Well, Food poisoning. This was not as bad, but it certainly was not an optimal way to start the year. I was, I've was, i yet to really... You know what, though? It's it's going around. I had a, I had a touch of a stomach bug for a day a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I know some other people that have. It must just be traveling about. Yeah, it's it was not great. Um, and it's funny. I, I, I think I've, like, everyone's like, oh, you look so thin. I'm like, yeah, it's because I haven't eaten anything in three days because I can't keep any food in my stomach. It's not a... Not working out, certainly. Nothing like that. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about something real quick before we move on to the show. Uh, we came into a little bit of excess holiday money, me, me personally. I was going to say, did we? Because well, I don't feel like I have any. If, so... if we came into this excess money, we would like our cut on Team Kevin. <laughs> well, Team Kevin would like uh, our cut that we came into. Well, when I say we, I do mean the show, right? Uh, but we've been talking uh, about... We have an Xbox 360 at the house. We use it for most of our multimedia, for watching all our TV shows. Now that we've got those Chromecasts. Oh, the Chromecast is nice. But um, my Xbox is on the way out. So I will eventually, at some point in time, have to buy either a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One. So in a casual conversation today with Justin Parkinson, he said to me, why don't you put a uh, a post on the internet and see what the listeners have to say? So let me well, go I can tell you what, if it's anything like the mailbag, they didn't say anything. Oh, well, actually, <laughs> no, no, people like this one. We have, let's see, at the moment, this was from six hours ago today, we have 23 voters in six hours, and PlayStation 4 is winning 65 to 35. Ooh. Uh, so, apparently, PlayStation 4 is the answer, according to the Uticast mm-hmm. Listeners, so that's what I'm going to spend my excess holiday money on is a PlayStation 4. Okay. I'm thinking. I'm not mad about it. It makes me wish. I mean, if you're just going to randomly buy a PlayStation 4 for the house, it does kind of make me wish I played video games at all, besides that one really cool Marvel Lego game that's obviously made for children, but I enjoy quite a bit. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it'll be cool. I mean, new stuff Uh, is opulent. Well, it gets to a question that I wanted to ask you. I'm going to turn 30, and I'm thinking about buying... A video game system. Oh, am I okay. too old? I know where old? you're going. No, and here's why: you're not too old because number one, we like when we were younger, the stereotype is like, oh, you're in your 30s, you play video games. Like, oh, what a weirdo. Now, when you're in a generation, you grew up with video games. It's just another form of recreation. It's no different yeah. than like somebody who plays like tons of fantasy football or doing some other like stagnant activity. It's really not that different than like reading or something like that. At the end of the day, 
and furthermore, also, uh, you know, somebody like me, I'm excited about a new gaming system, although I don't play games, and I think that's because a huge part of it is nowadays, a gaming console is, it's not like the old days, like, you have a Super Nintendo, it's there to play video games, and that's it. Yeah. Like, you have an Xbox at the house, Uh, we use that Xbox at the house every single day, Mm -hmm. and I would say out of all of that time that we've had it since we moved into the apartment we live in now... I think we've used about 5% of the time spent using it has been gaming. Because now they're home media consoles. You use it to run Hulu and Amazon and HBO Go and Netflix and all that stuff. So, no, you're not too old to be buying a gaming system. It's not so much that I feel like I'm too old, but, like, you know, the boys have... Uh, the boys upstairs have FIFA, and that's okay because we'll play the games together. We're goofing around, passing the controllers. It seems like more of a community type event. For right? sure, it's it's better than sitting and watching a TV show quietly. I have a hard time sometimes when I'm playing a game like a Fallout Four or something where I've invested real time and like emotions in it, I'm like, am I too old to put 120 hours of my free time into something with no discernible? Reward behind this is my own enjoyment, right? So, AK, it's not that different than having a job. <laughs> that <laughs> I might get too paid. old to put 120 of my hours into something I get no enjoyment from. It means nothing. <laughs> but I don't get paid for. Sounds it. like having a job. Oh uh, man, barely paying your uh, jobs these days. Speaking of having a job, guess who still got a job on this show? No. <laughs> yeah, she's here. It couldn't be. Who? Uh, no, there's uh, no uh, way. Oh, you'll see. It couldn't be the she. You'll see. She's here. Don't tell the others. <laughs> don't tell anybody. If we don't tell the others, then it's like I'm not even here. <laughs> That's fair. It's funny. Parkinson was asking me today. He's like, so I'm going to be on the show this week? I was like, I don't know. No. Don't know. Sorry. You got the bump. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome back. Hey, mm. thank you. Starting yeah. the new year off right. Regular guest, Aaron Higgins. Regular guest, house. Aaron Higgins. <laughs> Do you want to address your adoring fan base who've been clamoring for you since um, you've been gone? Guys, thank you so much for Our being... Our listens have been in the toilet since you've been oh, gone. Oh, God, I know. Uh, the three people that listen to us have fallen off. Um, thank you guys for being so supportive. I finished my master's degree. Congratulations. Thank yeah. you. I am, I'm done, and I'm back, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for supporting me during my time of need. That's good. We're glad to have you back. We're yes. very proud of you. Thank you. How do you feel, though? Do you feel less stressed out? You know what's interesting is that uh, for the week after I finished, which was the end of last week, I kept thinking, like, oh, my gosh, all right, so I have this to do. I've got to finish all this work. And then I'd be like, wait a second. No, I don't. And it was just weird. I'm not used to it yet. My stress level is a lot lower, so I'm excited to be in that realm right now. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I would imagine yeah. it would be a lot lower once you get finished. Once you get finished, you hand those things in, you just start partying right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, right away. <laughs> right away. Right away. Right away. Well, uh, I'm I'm very glad to have you back. I am so happy to see you guys. Um, and it's just, God, it's been so, you're throwing me off. It's been so I'm trying to, How many episodes <laughs> has it been? It's been like 12. <laughs> it's been quite a few. It's been 12. Quite a few. Give or take. Um, but we're glad to have you back, yes. and we decided to uh, to front load it with some very serious stories, right? To bring you down right off the bat. I love serious stories. <laughs> um, uh, and I want to start with one serious story that I read about a little bit last week, um, and it was about 
Well, first off, it's about the weather. It finally happened, guys. It got cold. Oh, it's so cold out. I was out. <laughs> I was out today. I walked down to get lunch. It said I looked at my phone because I was freezing, and I thought I was appropriately dressed. I heard the cold was coming. It said it was nine degrees, and it said it feels like negative seven. It was horrible. It's horrible. It was horrible. I had to walk one block to go get lunch mm-hmm. from where from where I worked to where I was getting lunch was one block, and I didn't think I was going to make it. We have been super spoiled in this weather. So spoiled. So spoiled that now that the actual winter is here, it feels so much worse. I think. No, and we're going to pay for it. Like this, this was expected. Like we'd been sort of laughing. Oh, sixty degree Christmas. Global warming. Yeah, global warming. <laughs> yeah, no, this is definitely punishment for our hubris over the last few weeks. Yeah, for real. Um, it was nice, though. I'll give you that. It was great. Um, but I, I've been reading a lot of stories relating to the weather as of late. Uh, primarily, uh, two of them about uh, homeless shelters. Yes. Um, one here in America and one in Japan. And I wanted to start with the first one, uh, the one I heard about in Japan. I haven't talked about this with you guys yet. Oh, someone's phone's going off. Oh, oh. Uh, anyhow, uh, so in Japan, um, apparently McDonald's restaurants are opening... Uh, themselves to the homeless after they close to give homeless people a place to sleep at night. But then in the morning, they wake them up and and force them to leave. And apparently this is a pretty regular thing across uh, McDonald's in Japan uh, in the major cities where there's not a lot of areas to to store homeless people who have no houses. Uh, I thought that was really... Interesting that a corporate, like a corporate... Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, expect, I wouldn't, expect, I, I wouldn't expect to hear that from McDonald's. Like, how do they get... So, I, I'm so confused. I have so many questions. Yeah. How do they prevent them... Like, I don't mean to be, like, rude and say that homeless people are going to steal, but how do they prevent the theft? How do they prevent... Not, not even from, theft. How do you prevent people from going back and, like, getting into your they kitchen? Give, and, like, ruining like, things. They give them the leftover food. They say, take whatever you want, which is kind of... Which, I which guess is, is great. I love that. I mean, they have they have the budget to do it. That food doesn't cost them too much. There's only so much anybody can take. I feel like I would be more concerned about, I mean, just anybody getting back there. All it takes is one person to get back and, you know, mess your stuff up, ruin your day. You know, coming from the restaurant world and stuff like that, you know, having somebody running wild, sort of roaming through your kitchen. With a, there's a lot of variables when you have to be open by X time in the morning. And yeah. you come in and it's just, you know, even if stuff's in a disarray, you got to clean I wonder how that goes as far as, I mean, I don't know anything about Japan's uh, equivalent of the health department, but I know that, like, with the health department here, there would definitely be some weird overlap in stuff that you could and couldn't do Correct. in a food service establishment. They're probably not as bureaucratically uh, red-taped, bogged down in the mire like we are here with, you yeah. know, health regulations for food service and everything, but still. You know, that used to drive me nuts, actually. When I was working at Carmine's, uh, we used to, you know, people would ask us, do you know, and we're notoriously known for having... Huge plates. That was like yeah, the yeah. big catch. You know, yeah. You get one plate of pasta, it's for like 40 people, right? So a lot of times people wouldn't take that with them. They're all tourists, right? So they say to themselves, oh, you know, what do I do with this? Like, you guys just throw this out or do you give it to the homeless? And I had to have this really awkward conversation where I was like, well, you know, up until so many years ago, we could give it to the homeless, uh, except now that's considered a health violation. So yeah. I honestly do just have to throw this away it's crazy how many, i've worked in a lot disgusting. of food service places and it's crazy how much stuff that's like good food that you have to throw away it's it's wild to me but there's really no other choice I, you know as far as the way the laws are set up What's there's unsanitary. nothing to do so they say yeah, you're right right i know what you mean i mean um i think it's great though i mean if mcdonald's can afford to do that then more power to them yeah. well this this story was in the new york times and and for me uh i'm always i've grown used to uh new york city homeless 
And all I could think about the story is, I don't think it would be very easy to just go up to like a homeless guy and be like, excuse me, you mind waking up so we can open the store now? You yeah. mind well, I think that's, here that's, a, huge, that's like, a huge thing too. Japanese thing. culture tends to be really, really focused on like manners and being polite and you know respecting all that. And I think it works better in a society where that's so ingrained, where it's a little bit different here in America. I think I can yeah. see why that would be more successful in Japan, where you couldn't really drop that into like New York. That makes right. sense. I wonder to me. how popular McDonald's is in Japan. Very. Popular. I mean, I'm sure they're super uber popular. They make different food. And that's the other. That's the other equation. Well, you I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that I'm not really 100 percent sure about this story. Well, the assumption is like <laughs> no information on this story. I'm not 100 percent about this. <laughs> well, uh, similarly, we were talking earlier about uh, uh, Governor Cuomo. Yes. Had something earlier this week about the homeless shelters being open later to accommodate people from being he, stuck out in the cold. He's also pushing that there's going to be law enforcement going from uh, law enforcement in every city in New York to uh, go out when it's under 32 degrees to essentially. I wouldn't go all the way to force homeless people to go into shelter, but to escort them. Make more of an effort to get them to to where they need to be. Escort them to homeless shelters. Well, I think I think I think it's a good idea because you read, you know, I've read quite a bit about homelessness, and that's one of the things you don't realize with a lot of shelters. Like there's there's not enough shelters for the people, and a lot of the shelters there are there's like a cutoff time. So like if you're not there at six o'clock, you don't have anywhere to sleep. And like you know, realistically, you would think, well, how hard is it to be on time? You're homeless. But realistically, a lot of things can come up, and it shouldn't be like, oh, 6 o'clock, 10 degrees out tonight, sorry about your luck, pal, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, come back tomorrow if you live. I agree. So I think it's a good idea. Rarely will you catch me anywhere saying that I'm agreeing with Governor Cuomo, but this is one time where I think it's probably not a bad idea. No, I don't think no. it's a bad idea either. <clears throat> and plus, you, you you can't even imagine, we're talking about being outside for a block and being outside to walk that block. I can't imagine sleeping in this weather the potential for people to get really sick or really dead. dead really dead really dead very very dead very quickly is yes, very is, quickly. is almost ridiculous we yeah. punish people for leaving dogs out we you know we should be doing more to keep, keep... i do agree with cuomo on this mm-hmm. well this is a very uh, cuomo heavy episode cuz i have another news story that has to do with uh, mayor cuomo what has he done this is time is it about his girlfriend i think he's the governor now he's not the mayor mayor i can't <laughs> really the mayor uh, governor he's the governor uh, the governor um now, Governor Cuomo, uh, earlier this year, uh, raised the restaurant workers' wages from anywhere between four to five sixty-five uh, to seven dollars and fifty cents an hour uh, pre-tips. Which, for restaurant workers, especially guys like me and Kev, who've come deeply from the restaurant world, I don't know how much restaurant experience you had, Miss yeah. Higgins. I worked in coffee. I worked at Starbucks once. Okay. Um, for someone like you and me, though, Kev, we've we know the difference that that kind of small change makes almost uh, nothing almost i'm gonna go ahead but and you say know what, almost though, nothing. earlier they raised the wages for all minimum wage and that affected me in my job and that was almost nothing right honestly because well, it all gets wrapped up in taxes yeah of course and anything like that uh being specifically for being a server i mean you were say because it sort of well finished what you were going to say well, before i give my opinion on uh, it the point i was getting to is uh this change this uh you know basically a two dollar change uh, led 100-plus owners of restaurants in New York to write into uh, Governor Cuomo telling him they need at least five years without another uh, wage garnishment or uh, wage increase uh, so they can adjust to the new labor costs. They want five years. Five uh, years is a very long time. That's called punting. That's yeah. what they call it in football. It's like, hey, look, can we worry about it in five years? Here's my take on it. Um... It's, I see, I've worked in both private restaurants, like small mom and pop places, and I've worked in corporate mega chains. You know what yeah. I mean? 
And so that's kind of, it's, it's a tough thing because the law has to be the same for everybody because it's tough to really draw a line who falls under which side and the other side. Like if you're somebody like an Outback Steakhouse, they can pay whatever. It's a drop in the bucket. They can them. pay you 15 bucks an hour tomorrow. They would be fine. They make plenty of money. But if you're a little teeny tiny place, you know, if you're somewhere, I'm trying to think of a good example around here. If you're, say that you're like Xena's down on Varick Street, yep. you're a family place that employs one or two servers or something like that, and now you've got to bump those people up, that money does actually really count for you. But, I mean, by the by that same token, I, it's tough to say because, you know, somebody like Outback, they should have to pay more. But the little teeny tiny family places, I can understand the gripe where they're like, you need to give us a minute to get our money right. Five years does yeah. seem like a long time, but, you know. In the, in, the world, in the restaurant business, five years is a blink for financially. I mean, think about when you're going to start turning over money getting from, especially if you're a new business or or a family-owned business and you could potentially be in the the red. I mean, to get to black is going to take you a few years. So to have now the extra money on top of it, it's just, it's another extra bump for them. It's just, it's tough. I don't really, um... Yeah. I made all of that up, by the way. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think I, I it financially sounds right, but I made it all up. If you hadn't know. said that, nobody would have known. I know, I made it all up. I don't like the five-year time limit because it just seems very arbitrary to me to put this five-year time limit. It, it seems to me the correct answer would be, let's not adjust this uh, these wages until the need to adjust wages comes up again, regardless of how many years it is. The thing about that is, is though, um, and I'm sorry, I cut you off, but the thing about that is, is that the need to to increase wages is... is was 35 years ago. Was wow, 35 right. years ago. And that's right. kind of the greater point that I wanted yeah. to get to. This ties into something else that happened today. You know, they just raised the wage of SUNY workers from 8 to $9 an hour to $15 an hour. Great. Um, and that's another Cuomo Another Cuomo change. He's just well, doing just stuff crazy. today. They, they got the money. Listen, anybody who wants to, anybody who's trying to come at me with this, people don't deserve to have their wages increased. <gasps> Especially when people are like, oh, fast food workers shouldn't make more money. They don't even get my order right. That's the worst argument I've ever heard. Yeah, it's horrible. And furthermore, a company like that can certainly pay out and pay people a livable wage. So anytime, anytime wages go up, what you just said there's a mouthful, a livable wage. That, it's a huge thing. That's what it comes it's down to. As thing. the price of living increases, the price of the wages should reflect that. And, it yeah. does and unfortunately, not, it does not. It has not no. forever. Like you said, thirty five. And at plus all these, years all ago. these huge companies, you see the same thing with a place like Walmart. Walmart takes up collections in each of their stores so that their employees can donate money to give to their employees who can't afford to eat. How about instead of collecting money from your underpaid employees to give to your even more underprivileged employees? You just give them more money. You just pay them a little more money. And don't you ever, ever try to look me in the eye if you're from Walmart and say, I'm sorry, we just don't have the money to do it. I call complete and utter bullshit on that. And I'll say it. I'm using my one swear word for the show right there on that. Wow. <laughs> because Walmart has the money to pay. Walmart could pay every single person who works for them $25 an hour and give them benefits, and they would still and make more money than anybody. they could all It's ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, it's something that I always thought was weird. Even as a, young, as a younger man who didn't really understand how, like, the economy worked, it always seemed weird that the... I was like, you know, the gas prices always seem to go up, but how come, like, you never make any more money, right? Like, that was, like, the first thing I noticed as a kid. And it's crazy because they've tricked, you know, the media and in certain segments of our government have tricked the people into blaming the poor. It's like, how how many times, for real, it's like, how many times do you hear people being like, oh, well, these lazy so-and-sos and using their benefit cards and welfare and they just work fast food, get a real job... 
everybody's so mad at the poor people, but you never hear anybody be like, hey, you know, these... I mean, outside of certain circles and certain people, like, hey, you know, these companies are kind of scumbags, too. Like, nobody wants to talk about the billions of money we give to corporations and tax breaks. But they're really, really pissed about, like, the 0.02% of our budget we spend on welfare because they just, they've just they tricked everybody into hating the wrong people and not realizing that we are all on the same team. Whether you're a part-time person trying to raise two kids working at McDonald's for 8 bucks an hour or whether you're somebody who just got out of grad school and is a teacher and is struggling to make any kind of real money as well, we're in the same boat. You know Heck what I mean? Yeah. Heck yeah. There was a quote that somebody said a long time ago, and I really like it. I wish I could remember who it was. They were talking about, you know, the one of the problems that we have, some famous author from a long time ago, is that we don't look at ourselves as, you know, everybody's in the same boat. Everybody in America looks at themselves as just temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Everybody doesn't want to look at <laughs> wow. it like, like oh, we're, I'm, I'm going to come back in the end and I'll have who that quote's from and I'll have the full quote so I don't butcher it. But basically saying, you know, everybody looks at it and they see it as like, oh, well, I'm not one of them. Guess what? We're all one of them. Unless you're the CEO of a multi-billion dollar national corporation, we're, you're one of them. We're mm-hmm. all on the same team. Uh, I'd be the worst CEO ever, yeah. Uh, guys, uh, speaking of uh, hot topics and uh, controversial opinions. Good guest. Uh, we have a great guest to go in line with that show. Uh, he's the man uh, partially responsible for the Syrian refugee rally in Utica that happened uh, early, uh, at the end of 2015, I guess. It was before Christmas. I'm so. still getting used to that date change. I know. It's still weird. Uh, and he is one of the contributing writers for uh, loveandragemedia.wordpress.com. He's a fascinating guy. Uh, Derek Scarlino, I know him and his family going way back. His dad was my football coach. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. That's adorable. I guess. This, <laughs> uh, this interview will probably not be that adorable, but it will certainly be fascinating, and we will be right back. Derek, I really want to thank you for for coming in today. Uh, Derek Scarlino, uh, best known for your work at uh, Love and Rage Media at WordPress.com, yes. and for your work with the Syrian refugee rally that happened uh, at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016 range. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming in, and I was trying to pinpoint before you got here. Um, you were a Proctor guy. I I am. I was a O four, and I'm trying to O one. O one. O one. All right, and I. Your dad was my football coach. I want to say actually at Donovan. Yeah, yeah. he was my football coach too, <laughs> and for uh, three years. <laughs> he was a good guy. <laughs> I, I always liked your dad. He was a funny dude. Uh, I'm an Italian guy. Uh, uh, no, we got always at the end of our name. Yeah, he reminded me a lot of my old man in a weird way. Uh, but I remember I was uh, in gym class actually one time, and I was running the track, and I was sort of. Uh, as he would, I think he told me I was playing grab ass. I was, I was, I was goofing around <laughs> and I was not doing any real working out. And he told me that uh, I have a Volkswagen motor in a tractor trailer body and I got to do something <laughs> about it. And I said, wow, got me good. He got me good. I've never uh, heard that one. No, it's a good one. I, mean, I don't know if he, I don't even know if he remembers that. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you were a Proctor guy. What, uh, what was your big. What did you do at Proctor when you were there? Were you like a sports guy? Uh, I played hockey. Hockey guy, that that's right. My, yeah, man. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, well, it's funny. You 
it's funny because I'm glad you actually mentioned that because I had it written down here. I might be totally wrong on this. One of the first articles I'd ever seen you write. Were you doing Buffalo Sabres stuff for Bleacher Report a long time ago? I was doing Toronto Maple Leaf stuff. Maple Leaf yes. stuff. Because I'm a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Uh, but yeah, I used to do uh, um, back when anybody could write for Bleacher Report. Um, yeah. Before they got selective and, you know. Is that how it works now? I always assumed I could just send information into them. <laughs> I didn't know if that's how it works. I loved doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, now you need to be, you know, someone pretty good. Yeah. In order to do that. I so. do. It's funny. I used to think of them as kind of a. I was like, oh, it's like it's like fan written. But now I'm actually on Bleacher Report more than I go to most. It's of good the, now. I like how it's developed. I still wish it was a little bit open, but uh, I don't know. Uh, on a total side note, I think their app. They have a great app for for doing like their sports stuff. It's really easy to navigate. I give them a lot of credit. That, that's that's totally off subject though. Um, so you graduated Proctor in 2001, mm-hmm. and you went to Brockport. SUNY Brockport. You went to MV. MVCC, yes. I also did that same thing where I went to MVCC first. Went to MVCC, and my second week of college, uh, 9-11 happened. Really? That event was one of the reasons we're sitting here today. Really? Actually, yeah. Were you, do you remember where you were when it happened? Were you in class? I was, was in class. I was yeah. in anthropology, actually. And what he was talking about, uh, how she was asking, we always talk about um, current events. My uh, professor, uh, Professor Ayers Darling, mm-hmm. um, we talk about current events. She was a sociologist, and she asked if anybody had anything interesting, and some woman raised her hand. She said, did anybody see on the news this morning the airplane crash into the World Trade Center? And nobody had seen it. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, it was really weird. And like they were showing the video, and all of a sudden, another plane came out and crashed in the other tower. And, I'm, mm-hmm. and everybody was like, that's odd. And then we did our class, and then we went out in the lobby, and it was packed. They had the TVs up, and you saw the Pentagon had been attacked. So it was just weird. Yeah. And like right there, it was it was sort of like one of those moments. And like I always I was glad I was in college at that moment because I was in a place, I was in an atmosphere where I could start to ask questions without somebody being like, That's not what you say, you know. Because yeah. there was a lot of you had to watch what you said after nine eleven. And I remember like I was I was eighteen years old, I was cognizant, you know, I I had been politically aware, like in college and stuff, mm-hmm. and like uh so I kinda had like yeah. An inkling of what happened. I, I knew it was Osama bin Laden because I kind of wrote a report on him in like yeah. grade. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this, is, this looks like Al Qaeda attacks. It's like two different things at the same time, blah, blah, blah. But so, yeah, I kind of, when there was that huge backlash against people asking questions mm-hmm. and like, you know, you had to be America and all that stuff at the time, I was just sort of like, no, nah, I, I want to actually know why. I want to find out why this happened. And that kind of put me on the path to studying the, the topics I studied mm-hmm. and becoming the writer and whatever and all that kind of stuff. It's a really interesting perspective because you're, I'm thinking you're, you're 01, I was 04, so you're probably three, about three years older than me. I was in high school. I remember being in high school at the time it happened and I was very, I was a little bit younger than you. I was sort of caught up in that post 9-11 conspiracy theory. Like I watched the Loose Change video, right? So I was yeah. like, oh, well, and I'll see. Yeah. Like, the government did this. And it took me a, a, about, you know, a longer period of time to really start reaching out. Be like, all right, well, maybe there's... Maybe I shouldn't have just listened to this one, <laughs> like, online news source that I found that my buddy showed me at a party at my buddy's house. You know what I mean? Like, um, so... But you went to Brockport. What did you go to Brockport for after that? Like, did you follow up with, like, uh... Yeah, I... Well, I did a lot of stuff at MV. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't pick a major. I, I sort of picked tracks. My oh, first, my first okay. track was... Um, I wanted to do film. 
Nice. I was like, oh, I was like, ah, I'm not gonna do film. I like for film, and I was like, I'll do PE. And then one of my buddies, um, Eric Vogel, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll never forget when he told me. He's like, you know, he. I think he was reading something I wrote. It was just like a comment or something. It was an email or whatever. And he's just like, dude, you're not a gym teacher. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was like, no. I mean, apologies to all the the gym teacher enthusiasts and people <laughs> out there. But uh, um, yeah. So I decided like I'm. I was like, oh, you know what, maybe I'll be a history teacher. And my favorite teachers at Proctor at the time were the Delito, and I don't know if you remember Mr. Schwazik. I think he might have retired uh, before you got Schwazik was the cross-country coach for the women when yeah. I was on the men's cross-country team. I was actually a history major, too, but I was a Mr. Rachi guy, another Proctor. Ah, I never teacher. had Rachi. Rachi was the guy who got me to go to college to be a history major because I loved him so much. He, was, he got me so excited. I knew Rachi because I worked at Proctor um, post-college, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, great guy, but it was Schwazik and Delito. I was always amazed. Delito's great too. How He's great. intelligent they were, how well spoken they were, and they're just like, yeah, we're we're history guys. You know, I don't, well, it's funny, and I don't want to go off that subject, but my, you know, I grew up parents who were teachers. You grew up yeah. parents who were teachers. Yeah. Um, there was like a group of history teachers at Proctor at that time, and I always included Miss Leone in it as well, even <laughs> though she was, but because she was, I was more liberal then, whereas now I, I try not to to pick a side, but. She was the first person who was openly, like, on the right, who was like, no, yes. no, no, like, you're, no, no, I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. And I always appreciated that, that there was that sort of blowback on both sides. Like, you could talk to Rachi, or you could talk to Miss Leone, and you could get a broader range of the subject. I think we were lucky to have a wide variety of really interesting, challenging history teachers in yeah. that era. Yeah, she was, she was nice. I had her for U.S. Uh, history in 11th grade. I want to say I had her for, like, I can, not I cannot. what's the... Government. Uh, government? Like, the other half. The other half. The one I had to do community service for. Government. Government I class. I had Schwazik yeah, again. Yeah, Schwazik. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you did a lot of work at MV. Yeah, and then I, I, yeah, I started taking courses in like more, because I, I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be a social studies teacher. So I started doing that track at, uh, at MVCC. I was yeah. actually included on a panel discussion nice. uh, at MVCC way, way back. It was like this cool thing where like, people from the community came in and were talking about preemptive, uh, the preemptive war doctrine mm -hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff and it was pretty cool because like it was we were all selected out of my public policy class or some of us were and we're up there there were two students and then there was a panel of like professors and like army intelligence officers and I'm like what am I doing here everybody's like all dressed up in suits and I didn't know anything about this and yeah. I'm up there with like a Proctor lacrosse t-shirt on <laughs> I hadn't shaved in like a Proctor week Proctor lacrosse alright <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm just up there and I'm kind of like you know it was um, myself and uh, Professor Katz yeah, you know Mr. Katz. Oh yeah, Dan Katz, Dave Katz, the Katz family. Great people. Um, he was one of my. He is my favorite professor at that college, and like he was up there too. And we, the two of us, kind of like led the charge on that thing. It was pretty cool, but it was a pretty exciting moment. And then went to Brockport. Uh, did one semester of international studies, which was pretty interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, switched to history. Is that what took you abroad? The international studies you took there, or I always wanted to go abroad. I always wanted to go it abroad. Was always a deep seated thing. Yeah. I always wanted to travel, always wanted to do that kind of stuff. And, I, and I've done it. I've traveled. I've lived and worked abroad. And um, I, How, Now, you were, I, I only looked at those on Facebook, so you probably have, you, you certainly have more information. This You were in Seoul? Yes. <clears throat> How long were you there for? Three years. This is post-college? Post-college, yeah. What was that like, man? Oh, my God. Uh, Seoul was a trip. Um, <laughs> it's the second largest city, like, metropolitan area in the world. Um, 
it was it was great. I was I mean some parts were difficult. Um, not really the transition to life in Korea. Hmm. It's very very westernized. So really, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's hugely commercial and um, it's actually pretty easy to get along out there. I mean like you know you 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 sign up for one of these teach English things and like they'll fly you out. They put you in a part in an apartment and you have your health care and everything out there. So you're pretty much taken care of when you're out there and you right. you, you have a lot of discretionary spending. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> From uh, the wages you make, and so yeah, you live in this huge city, and you have access to all of it, and and then also you have, you know, you're an eight-hour flight away from like Indonesia and stuff, yeah. and like you can go to Japan on the weekends and like go see the Great Wall on like a you know holiday weekend. It's like, all what, right, you know. What was the comfort level for uh, the Koreans to you as an American? Did they just? <clears throat> it's funny. Uh, Koreans are a very um, without offending anybody or, ho- or trying to offend anybody uh they're a very insulated culture sure they've been invaded by everybody around them so they're very like you know we're, you know, they're peninsula and they're also choked off from the north by right. korea so it's, it's sort of like they're very insulated um so they're wary of outsiders it's not a very open place to outsiders mm-hmm. um if i can even take a step as a middle class white american male and say i've experienced racism before which I know millions of people will scoff at. Um, uh, trust me, millions of people do not listen to this show. I promise. <laughs> yeah. 50 people will scoff at you. Well, 49 of them will scoff at that. Um, yeah, I definitely experienced like mm. looks and glares and people tapping me on the subway and like just shooing me away because I was too close to them. Um, one of the bigger things out there is... You know, I like to have facial hair. I, I grow a beard. Yeah. Um, and beards out there, not a thing. And it's called, they call it dirty face. It's kind of funny. They call it dirty face. People will come up to you and touch it if, they, if they're familiar with you. <laughs> um, but if you have a beard, it's sort of like, it carries the, uh, the stigma that you are homeless, that you have AIDS, and that you're a terrorist. All of which is true <laughs> if you ask my mom what why I should get rid of my beard. She's like, those are all reasons she's told me before. Um, <clears throat> that's very strange. Um, yeah. So you were there for three years, you said. Yeah. Uh, did you come directly back here afterwards, or was there stops in between? I came right back to Utica. So what was that like? That must have been a strange moment <clears throat> to go from... Well, I went over in 2010, and I was there for a year, and I came back. And I intended to go, you know, to a teaching fellows on either New York oh, yeah. or Chicago. I tried or, that one. Yep. And <laughs> that didn't work out. I was like, oh, I have all this teaching experience. And then they're like, we don't want any teaching experience. No. And uh, so then I came back. I was here for a year. And then I went back to Korea for two years. And I got back about two years ago. And I still... You get older. Time time flies by a little, a little faster. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> That's something I'm getting really used so to. So I still feel like there's parts like I'm. It's still like I'm still back in Utica, and it's sort of like a new thing. And like I'm back in Utica, I'm like, holy shit, I've been here for two years. All yeah. But uh, it flies by. I, I I think about it already. Um, I'm actually closer to being here for a year now than I've really wrapped my head around. And it's just like, wow, I can't yeah. believe how quick it just flies by. Yeah. So what I did, like, I came back and I I wanted to, you know, advance myself. Uh, career-wise, so I wanted to do my teaching certification, and I yeah. did. I'm all done with that, um, so I'm just taking my tests, and then uh, we'll see. I have a job right now at the House of the Good Shepherd uh, teaching. I can't say too much about sure, that job, sure, of course, the nature of it, but, you know, my financial situation is the best I've ever had in Utica, oh, so yeah. I have, you know, the ability to do things like, um, 
Oh, hey. Oh, you have a visitor. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we have a visitor in the studio upstairs. Made in Utica cat, Uncle Charlie. Hi, Uncle Charlie. What's going on, bud? <laughs> uh, so, right well, in my face. well, since you had all this, um, you've been making all this extra money since you're here. Uh, did this tie in a lot to some of the stuff you've been doing since you've been here? Because uh, one of the things that really got me back onto you doing writing, because uh, I saw you, I'd seen a little bit of your Love and Rage media stuff, um, but really the Syrian refugee rally, was, uh, refugee rally was the first thing that sort of caught my eye with your name on it since <laughs> I had been back here. Um, can you give me a little bit of info about where you, were you the initiator of this idea, or were you just collaborating, or was this... I have to give this idea, the credit for this idea, to a guy named Christopher Casey. Um, mm. He is with the uh, Green Party of Oneida and Herkimer County, and I've known him since the Occupy days. I was big, I was big in the Occupy movement, too, locally. Oh, yeah. Um, that was that was pretty much the year in between Korea for me. I was doing yeah. that. Yeah. <clears throat> I was in New York for that, which was very um, strange... I was living in Bed-Stuy in an area that was being actively gentrified by people like me <laughs> while watching, like, the whole yeah. Occupy thing happen on the other borough, and it was a very weird time to be in New York and be the kind of person we I was, you know what I mean? Like I went down there at one point, not, and not at the height of it, but, like, in the springtime, I went down, spent the night on Wall Street, like, slept on the, slept on the actual cement and everything, but, uh, yeah. um... So yeah, big into that, and like that goes back to like um, what we're doing now with Love mm-hmm. and Rage. What we did back then, like I, I mean, we we had a blog. We actually ran a pretty, uh, pretty intense media operation right mm-hmm. out of Utica. Occupy Utica was one of the media focuses yeah. of the Occupy movement, and um, <clears throat> what we published in you know a couple other people and I, what we published in the Utica Phoenix got. The Utica Phoenix noticed as one of the publications in the United States, one of the news publications in the United States that actually followed the Occupy movement most yeah. thoroughly. So we brought that like right to Utica. Mm-hmm. Like a, you know, Utica Publication was one of the top people to do that. Um, were these guys, the people you were working <clears throat> with at this time, are they currently working with you now with the Love and Rage stuff? Or? Most of them. Most of them are? Most yeah, of them, cool. yeah. Um, and we also did Occupied Radio, which covered, you know, news and events and updates mm. and stuff about the entire movement. We ran that, you know, there was a few people in Utica that did that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm well versed in the setup you've got here. So, because <laughs> we did like blog, blogcast radio or something and it was pretty much the same thing. Uh, you know, the transition from sports to doing this kind of a show was weird <laughs> for me because I, I, as much as I find doing this kind of a show a little bit more enduring, I get more, I get more reach out from people when we talk about mm. stuff that's more locally based or more uh, broadly accessible, sports tends to be very specifically alienating. If you're not yeah. into this thing, you're not into it, and you're not going to get any of it. Um, if it's not hockey, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I cut you off again from the Syrian refugee rally, though. I, I, I'm the worst at that. Terrible host at this show. Clear. So <laughs> going back to uh, Chris Casey. Yes, Chris Casey. Um, I've, like I said, I've known Chris for a long time. Um, he also breaks my balls about leaving. Like the states and everything, you need to stay here. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but uh, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, he he sort of pitched the idea online in one of the groups we we maintain, um, just to keep everybody kind of in the loop of you know a series of activists and advocates and stuff. And so we started to pitch the idea, and we reached out to some of the refugees mm-hmm. that we know and um, for their help. And yeah, I mean, it was basically just uh, from that point on, it was sort of getting the message out to the media, publishing our own mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and inviting mail, you know, starting a Facebook event. Yeah. yeah um, that's basically how it comes down. Were you surprised at the turnout? Uh, I wish it was a little more. Actually. Really? I wish it was a little more. I thought that, you know, if, if there was a, 
a moratorium about that in a city anywhere, hmm. I thought that Utica would be the place to abso- like absolutely have a demonstration. Yeah. But I thought that the community response, and I, I, I shouldn't say because it sounds ungrateful, but it's just kind of like in a broader scheme of things, not not a personal like what I can do type thing. It's, it's hmm. just like I would like to see the community come out, hmm. you know, in full force for that sort of thing. And like there was a lot of feedback for it absolutely yeah. and i uh, you know i you know thank everybody that came out i think we had about 150 people which yeah. is i mean that was the biggest demonstration we'd had in utica in a long time probably since the occupy days yeah so it's not like I, i'm like i'm not like pushing it aside but i'm just like I, you know like i think it could have been received in a way that like maybe I don't know, just showed that the community, like this community in specific, given its refugee, you know, Well, it is a very, opponent. yeah, there's a lot of Middle Eastern <laughs> heritage here too, you know, exactly. I, I'm a, I'm Syrian American and I know a lot of my buddies growing up are all Lebanese or Syrian, but, and it's not all exactly the same, but a lot of those guys, we all related to each other because we were Middle Eastern and we weren't necessarily like, oh, like, no, that's not true. I got a couple buddies, so I give them a hard time because they're Lebanese. I'm like, oh yeah, Lebanese, <laughs> huh? Uh, no, but I, I was glad that somebody was doing something because a, a lot of the talk about like Syrian refugees at the time had been kind of up in the air and I was surprised by the the back and forth opinions. I expected this region to be more specifically like, no, let all the Syrians in. This is like a <clears throat> traditionally Syrian neighborhood and well, city. I mean, you know what I mean? It came down to, you know, Congressman Hanna. Yeah. Who is a Lebanese yeah. descendant and, uh, you know, he's, he's talking about banning refugees from the United States. And yeah. That trickled to the Utica Common Common Council with uh, Councilman Becerra. Oh, we've talked about him a couple times on the show before. He's uh, he's not very popular in these parts. He's not uh, very popular in the council either. No. We actually went to like the it. hearing on the moratorium and, like, you know, it was buried in committee and I think it was Colosimo Testa. She was just like, I'm, I don't know. They went, it was right after Thanksgiving. She's like, oh, one thing I'm thankful for is uh, this is, you know, Sarah's last meeting, or he only has one meeting left, or something like that. I was like, ooh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, we're running short on time, but I want to talk to you about something, about, uh, about Love and Rage specifically. I read an article you posted on the 31st, the Limits of the City article. Which ah, was, yeah, that's getting around. It's good. It's good. I, I like a lot of the points. Uh, you, uh, I want you to take this the correct way, because I appreciate a lot of the writing you do. You remind me a little bit of my good friend, Mr. Maiden Utica, Justin Parkinson, and also... TV celebrity Larry David. A lot of, t- <laughs> a lot of times, I'll, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying, but when people get frustrated or angry, as I've seen it happens occasionally on your Facebook with comments and people will get in these little things with you, uh, I think some people don't always totally get the angle you're arguing for, right? Or that, I'd say that's fair. I'd say it's, that's fair. Do you know what I mean? Like... Maybe people don't understand the point you're trying to make the way you say things because you are a pretty you're a pretty well spoken guy you're a pretty smart guy uh, I think a lot of people don't take in both sides of the argument you have you had have you noticed a problem with like confrontationality to the uh, stuff you write like do you notice it when when it comes to like Facebook and stuff those those comments can always be taken in so many ways I'm a person like if if anybody has ever seen the stuff I do like on Facebook every now and then like I I am known for typing like novels in response to comments <laughs> I've seen that before and like yeah and it's just I think people take that as, like, I'm trying to, like, overpower them and, like, with, mm. with like, brains or something, quote-unquote. But, like, um, no, it's just, like, I, I I read into this stuff. I know this kind of stuff. And, like, if I'm just going to try and set the record straight. That's what it's always been about is, like, trying to get the record, like, trying to get the information out there and blah, blah, blah. Would you 
would you think it's fair if someone were to call you a cynist or cynicist? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I do you think I completely do you think there's a fine that. line between cynicism and realism? <clears throat> I think you need <laughs> cynicism in society. You need to be a cynic. And if you look at, like, I, I draw a lot, people, like, I mean, I, I do, like, I read, you know, political people and stuff like that, but I get a lot of stuff from, a lot of social views, um, uh, especially on social utility of ideas from stand-up comedians. Yeah. Especially, like, oh, yeah. George Carlin. And if you've, like, if you've never listened to George Carlin, you're never going to understand where I'm coming from. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. You're never going to get how I word things. You're never going to get uh, the, the purpose for it, but I, I think cynicism has its place. Um, for sure. Well, I think, uh, you know, we initially, when we first got back when we were doing the show, I think there's a, there's a big positivity movement going on. And I don't necessarily, oh. and I, I, I can see you cringing. I can see it. Uh, I don't necessarily think that there's a totally bad thing because I will be honest, <clears throat> the Utica that I came back to, you know, it's, it's significantly nicer than the Utica I left. I don't think... I sat through the gentrification cycle in Brooklyn when it happened. I lived in Bed-Stuy. I watched that neighborhood become really, like, expensive to live in. I don't always think that a lot of the stuff that's happening here is necessarily gentrification. Some of it is urban development. But there is a fine line between when we we cross over from urban development into gentrification, right? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, New York City, that's, that was a euphemism for gentrification, actually, yeah. during the Giuliani days. Yeah. But I, <clears throat> I, this, it's, a, it's a complex issue. Like, how to make things in this city continue oh, to get absolutely. better. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I think it's important that we not only just stay on the positivity side, but on the real side. And I think you can probably agree with that as well, too, yes. right? Yes. Uh, Derek, before I let you go, do you want to promote anything you're doing right now? Uh, how can we get in touch with you? How can we read your writing? Um, well, right now, we just we operate a basic WordPress site. So it's uh, the address for that is loveandragemedia.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. We're working on appropriating money to get it like you know revamped and everything but uh that's it we're just lazy when it comes to that but uh yeah that like we're on facebook stuff like that um and that's pretty much it we also uh i just want to pitch the uh the mohawk valley freedom school as well it's awesome one, that's please. one of the other initiatives that uh, me and uh, a friend of mine brendan uh dunn uh work on that's great. I appreciate that. Um, Derek, thank you so much. I really yeah, appreciate no the problem, time. Man. Keep doing your thing, man. I like your singular voice. Uh, <laughs> don't be afraid to be confrontational. It's good. Oh, it's good. Never am. We'll be back with the show in just a minute. I was concerned. Back. That was that wasn't so bad. I was never concerned for a moment. <laughs> I'm always concerned. You're, you're you're literally concerned about everything. You're yeah. the most concerned person I know. You're like somebody's old Jewish mother. You're worse than me. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 
Higgins, Higgins ain't. She doesn't worry about nothing. Not anymore. Uh, <laughs> shit. There's my one swear. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't used my one swear just yet. I said shit. We'll get, no, no, that's two. Oh. Well, you're now. not. You're probably not going to be here next week. So. <laughs> you are not going to be here next <laughs> week. I'm not actually. So that's this is point. a Higgins wow. off straight Higgins podcast. Just the Aaron Higgins only podcast. It's a Higgins hour. Um. So last time you were here, you talked about a an event in sports that you were very excited about where the mm. NFL fires all of their coaches following the last Sunday game of the season. You called it Black, Black Monday. Black Monday! <laughs> and it's my now, favorite holiday of the whole year. Was t- Today was Black today Monday? Today was Black Monday. Was it everything you hoped it would be? Unfortunately, it was not. And here's why. If, um, if you know me at all, you know that I have a, a love for football and a love for, obviously, Black Monday. Um, unfortunately, Black Monday, my friend, if you guys know TK, very, very awesome TK, said to me today, we have been Black Monday, like, best friends. So we've been very closely following what happens in the coaching world and the NFL. Well, unfortunately, Black Monday has come a little earlier and earlier every year. They started firing the majority of coaches last week. Today, we only lost one or two, including my beloved Tom Coughlin from the New York Giants, who stepped down as the head coach. Uh, so Black Monday really wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be this year. Uh, we did have a lot of coaches that were fired previous to today, which was exciting and awesome. We lost the 49ers coach after now, one year. You're you're a huge Giants fan, and Tom Coughlin obviously, obviously means a lot to you. you know, He's he, like, he, he led um, you to the two Super Bowls to beat the Patriots. Here's my question, because I've known you for a long time. I know you pretty well, I would say. Yeah. I know who your hottest, wettest crush in the world is. Who would you be sadder about? Tom Coughlin, or, him. or your or him. boy. Don't say the name. He who should not be named, Pete Carroll. Your boyfriend, Pete Carroll. Here's who the thing you, about who Pete would Carroll. You be, who would you be more upset about? I'm upset about Tom because he's like the grandpa. He's like everybody's grandfather. Grandpa Tom, if you will. And uh, that really devastates me. I've met him once. He's incredibly kind, incredibly nice. Yeah, I did. What? <laughs> I, just, I always joke about how Pete Carroll looks like a grandmother. So now I'm just thinking about Tom well, Coughlin. Here's the Pete thing. Carroll now is Pete Carroll. Cute elderly couple. <laughs> Pete Carroll, <laughs> Pete Carroll <laughs> is now the oldest. Active NFL coach. Is he really? Yes. Uh-huh. He was one He was one step behind my grandpa Tom. And unfortunately, if, if Pete was to get let go, I would be devastated. Because that would mean that I would... But then have, that, would, that would free him up with more time to spend with you. That's the point. Like, and that's what it comes down to, is that if, if Pete was to go, he Pete could Carol, come hang Pete Carroll, poor man's Richard Gere. The poor man's... No, I love him. He's, he poor is, man's B. Arthur. Have you ever seen him? He's, a, he's not an attractive man. He is the most beautiful man in sports uh. today, and I love him dearly. And I, I, all I've ever wanted in my whole life is just to go on one dinner date with Pete Carroll. Just one. One dinner date. You think one, one date, dinner date uh, is all it would take to make it happen? No. I mean, yes. But <laughs> have you not met me yet? I'm very charming. But he's got like a wife That's and That's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, no. That too. That too. <laughs> I don't think it would even take a dinner date for me to get... Okay. Not the point. Uh, I am I am heartbroken about Tom Coughlin. I'm nervous for next season. I hope we don't move around and put our horrifyingly horrific uh, offensive coordinator in a head coaching position. I hope we drop him like a like a bad habit as well. But that's all for me to discuss with TK essentially <laughs> off the podcast. All right, so let me uh, let me bring in my one sports story of the week here. Uh, for for sports fans and non-sports fans alike, I'm going to give you a little quick recap of something that exists here in upstate western New York region. The Buffalo Bills are a mediocre sports franchise. For I love of, the Buffalo Bills. I love the Bills, but success-wise, they've always been pretty mediocre. 
So you never know what to expect. It's the only team at the beginning of the season when they're doing like forecast previews, like next the eight and eight Buffalo Bills before a game has been played. You know the Bills are eight and eight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if that. If that. And so that's a good preview. So uh, what has happened basically is that the Bills fans have sort of come into their own and entertained themselves, created this. Uh, community called the Bills Mafia, and every week. Do you know who's in the Bills Mafia? John's on ground. <laughs> oh, good friend of the show, John's, John's on, on ground. ground. Local fire safety expert. John's on well, ground. All you need to do is go to any website, go to any sports website, literally uh, any website. <laughs> Deadspin. Just go to Google and type in Bills Mafia. Barstool Sports does a very good uh, yeah. Bills Mafia wrap up every Monday. They on do. All the, all the insanity uh, that happens. Madness. And what it basically is is. People tailgating Bills games, uh, choke slamming or body slamming or wrestling through tables or throwing people through tables. Having sex in public. Having sex in public. uh, Doing drugs in public. Um, Everything's lit on fire. Everything. This morning as I was getting ready to prep the show uh, in my my post-food poisoning stupor, as I was reading through articles, uh, I happened to see another Bills Mafia uh, entry from yesterday where a Bills fan... Leapt through a flaming table. I saw this. Yeah, flaming table. Set himself on fire. Got up with his hands in the air, still on fire, and nobody put him out because he didn't notice. He was just like, yeah, fire table. And they had to. And it just got me so upset. So I'm started upset something. that it wasn't you. Yes. No, I'm just. This is what's become of the Bills fans now. We're just this like professional wrestling based. Like, Honestly, though, are you surprised? And... That sounds perfect. That for sounds you. perfect for you. Are so, you in the Bills Mafia now? No, actually, I've actually come up with something else. Okay, so this is my answer to the Bills Mafia for Bills fans who who feel like this has gone far enough. What are you gonna do? Sit in the tailgate and read? They want to call this the Bills Mafia. I'm starting the Bills Witness Protection Program. <laughs> if you are stuck in this family and you need a way out, <laughs> come to us. Come to me. I can give you safe locations to watch the game with reasonable fans who understand the enjoyment of casual sports entertainment on television. And I don't even like the Bills or the NFL in general, but if you want to go to the mattresses and you're in the Bills Mafia, call me. (laughs) Did you hear what um, Rex Ryan said yesterday? I try not to listen to Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, who I just think is so much fun. Um, (laughs) I really do. He's, He's like a ringleader of a circus. He uh, said yesterday, I guess they had a presser, and he said, well, I guess this is two years I've coached the Jets out of the playoffs. That's a pretty good line. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which I laughed so hard at. I just remember even former Buffalo Bills who've been disgraced can join the witness protection program. Disgraced or like... Or like idolized. Oh, no, I'll take them all. Rob Johnson, Doug How Marone, close are we to wide right? How Doug close are we to Marone. wide right? Believe me, Scott Norwood has a spot. Oh my gosh! In the saw, witness protection program. I saw a picture we'll on Twitter. I saw a picture on Twitter of somebody. It was a hashtag Bills Mafia, and a guy was wearing a Scott Norwood Did, jersey. I sent that. That was but me. But the whole thing was printed to, to the, the right, right of so the good. back of the jersey. It was so pretty good. good. So that good. was. I, I posted that on Twitter a long time ago when I first saw it, and I was like, thought it was the funniest um, thing I'd ever seen. This is about the time of year when I tend to give up on sports, right? Uh, Liverpool is generally not going to win the title at this point in time. Isn't that a city? Uh, it's a, a team as well. Uh, the Bills. For what sport? <laughs> football. Oh. English football. The real football. Okay. Uh, the Bills are done. The Knicks. Uh, I like watching the Knicks this year, but I'm not putting my expectations very high. Godzingus, baby. Godzingus is pretty good. Oh, love him. Uh, and then... One dude uh, got shot in the knee in the, in the Oh, I saw that. He's a rookie, too. Yeah, like, he got shot right in the knee. Up. Poor Hunt. Uh, 
But uh, I'm a huge Knicks fan. See, if I, you guys didn't know that, I, I like, love the Knicks because uh, my great gra- uh, my great uncle was an original Nick. So I'm a I, Knicks I, legacy. I did not know that. Yeah, my great uncle was an original Nick, so I'm a Knicks legacy, and I strongly believe in the Knicks. I always like the fact. So that by Knicks. Knicks legacy, does that mean that you should be like the backup shooting guard? I technically am on the team. <laughs> okay. Because there's a bloodline, I'm technically on the team. I forgot. I, for I forgot how parallel universe we go when you're at home <laughs> with your boys on the show. Um, well, I have no more sports, so let's move. Um, wait, I have something else I wanted to say about this. I Actually, can't believe you, it. You know what happens soon? We're uh, only fifty three some odd days away from spring training for baseball, so Amen. I'm back. I'm not ready for Amen. that. First off, it's the 30th year anniversary of the last time the uh, Mets won a World Series, so it's a because big year for us. Because they lost this year. We did they lose did this lose. year. We did lose this year. When you're on talk so about baseball al- trades, I'm ready to go. What else What else you got besides sports? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, as we've mentioned earlier in the show, and we will talk about again probably next week, we will not be in Utica for next week's episode. Me and Kevin are going to New York City to celebrate my 30th birthday with now, Mr. Now, if Mate we're Utica. going back to New York where you came from, does Ryan Miller have to take a drink? Because you didn't mention that you used to live there. You just mentioned that you're, you're going, going back. to live there. Uh, you said you're going back. Ryan Miller, use your discretion. Just pour the shot and then <laughs> stare at it and Give see it a happens. couple minutes. Give it a couple minutes. Uh, but we were talking. You, me, and Justin are going to go, and we're going to spend three to four days Justin's there. Justin's coming? He is coming. Oh, I'm Ryan. not going. Uh, no, oh, no. no. I've got to work now. That sounds horrible. Um, but we were. you said to me something very interesting, and you said, I'm glad we're going with no real plans so we can just sort of do whatever we want. You know what? That's true. I said. I remember I said to you, this is the first trip I've been on a very long time that didn't have um, like some, I guess, like, all, not, not even set itinerary, but like ulterior motive, like, you take a trip, but there's a wedding. So maybe you're gone oh, for five yeah. days, but there's a wedding, or you take a trip and there's a concert or a festival or... Something specific. This is a trip we're going. There's no plans. We can be anywhere at any time, and I'm excited about that. That sounds amazing. Um, but it got me thinking about alternate uh, adult vacations. So I'm going to throw a couple adult vacations. I'm not even 100% sure what that means, but I'm on board. Well, to First vacation date. with only adults, no children. And oh, no I thought you were going like adult like vacations. S- like sexy vacations? Well, no. Yeah. Vacation in general is very sexy. Going on vacation is very sexy. I don't know. Apparently sexy. you've never Listen, gone on vacation with me. I'm a stressed got, out disaster. I got bad news for you. If you and Parkinson are trying to make this New York thing a sexy vacation, then I'm <laughs> definitely not going. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> ah. Well, what got me thinking about this is I oh. went... Uh, I, well... Let's let's just move go. On. Just let's go. start. Okay, go I'll give you an example. Last uh, couple years ago, I took my niece and nephew to Disney World. I went with my family. Yikes! On bikes. I had a really nice time actually, but all I could think to myself was, man, this would be a lot of fun if I went with just a bunch of people my age, so I wouldn't be. Res- you know, I mean, I could really enjoy everything and like yeah. get drunk at Epcot and goof around. So, what do you think about Disney World as an adult vacation? What are your thoughts? There is no bad time for Disney World. I went to Disney World in, uh, let me see, 2008. So, I was probably, I, whatever, like 22, 23, yeah. 24, something like that. And it was a really, Disney World, they do it so well down there that there's a good time to be had by anybody. If we went to Disney World with like a squad deep, we'd have a good time. I haven't been since mm. I was like 16. I'd love to go back. Yeah, it'd be a good time. I would love to go back to Disney World. It'd be a very good time. It'd be a lot of fun to go with a bunch of people, like-minded individuals like ourselves. We'd have a good yeah. time. The only concern I have with Disney is once you're inside, like, the Disney... Uh, universe. The universe. You're sort of reliant to be there the whole time, it Yeah, but that's... Like. But no, but they give you everything. Like, I remember when I went down there, that's the trick. You go, you stay at the Disney Hotel. That's where I stay. You go out in front yeah. of your hotel, so you grab the shuttle to the Disney parks or to downtown Disney... They give you everything you need for your vacation. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're like, 
oh, I'm trapped in here. I'm missing out on downtown Orlando. No, thanks. <laughs> like, please, oh, not Orlando. Please, Mickey, protect me. So we like Disney then. Disney's good. Yeah, Disney, right. Disney votes in for you me. About it. All right, so um, how about a concert or a festival, like a Lollapalooza or 110, a Coachella? 110% depends on the lineup. Really? Line up, line up, line up, line up. Guns I mean, N' Roses is gonna re, it. is gonna re. Uh, that doesn't sell so, me anything. So is well, actually Sam. So me, first and foremost, Guns N' Roses coming back together no, should sell you on terrible. everything. Stop. Oh, I love stop. me some Axl Rose. Let me ask you a question, and we're gonna take a quick sidebar. I only want a quick answer from you, Sam. You went to the very last ever advertised the last time you can ever see LCD sound system at Madison Square Garden when they retired forever five years ago. Yes, I did. Now they're back together headlining festivals this summer. Do you feel like that cheapens your experience? Or do you not care because yes. you've already had the memories? No, yes. It cheapens the experience a little bit for me. Okay. Because uh, me and Adam, my friend at the time, my very good friend who I went to see the show with, and my friend Eric, who I also went with, we all sort of said to ourselves, I really hope they never play another show again. I hope this is really it because it would really, really be highly, highly, deeply trill if we <laughs> just scalped our way into the last so yeah, LCD sound sorry. system. Okay, um, fair enough. So concert. Uh, that festival. being said, though, if they want to just come out and do their show, that's fine. I would still almost prefer they don't write any more new music, right? Like, is that a weird? I mean, if it's no, good. I get it. I get it completely. I, I don't know. I I'd need more time to to. Concerts and festivals are different. I think it's 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 hard to. Deter- like you said, it depends on who's who's playing. This summer I saw the Decemberists in Oma Gang, which was like a, a nice little day trip. And I went and it was an amazing show and I had a really nice group of people. So that was fun. But there's some times where you're stuck at festivals or you're stuck at these places and like it's raining, it stinks, you don't want to be there, you have no, you don't care about the fact that there's some broad up singing up there about nothing. Like, it's, you're and over I think, it. I think that's Depends where the, the length of the I think too. I think that's where the lineup comes into play, right? Oh, because yeah, big time. There's certain bands where I don't care if it's raining, I don't care if it's snowing, I don't care because no. this band is playing. But, like, exactly. if I go, like, just to, say, I, say I go to, like, Bonnaroo just to go, but I don't really care about the majority of the lineup... Then I'm kind of like, oh, this is kind of trash. I wish I was like at home, home at my house with a shower and mm. fridge and like yeah. that's, CDs. Like, that's that'd what be it fine. comes down to. Something we didn't talk about with Disney that applies with festivals and concerts. Both of those are very, very expensive to attend. I was going to say Highly. Disney is like lot. super expensive. I would love Disney. to go to like every big festival, but they're so expensive. Even tickets alone, you're going to pay $250, 300 Not including the, the insulary costs, so like food, travel, snacks, food, lodgings. Yeah, there's a, it's very expensive. All right, so how about, uh, so how about a cruise then? Some Never sort. been on one, don't want to go on one, trash, garbage for old people. I went on one wow. when I was six, when I was sixteen. Subsequently, also the last time I was in you Disney. You had a big World. year when you were sixteen. It was one vacation. We just split it into two separate <laughs> things. We went to uh, my folks and I and my brother. We went to uh, the Bahamas on a boat, and then on the way back, we spent a day at Disney. So, um, cruise ships sound like a really good idea. Have you ever been on one, Sam? No, no. Okay. Well, I'm the only one speaking from experience. Uh, they sound like a really good idea when you're like, "This is gonna be great, all inclusive. I'm on a boat with my people." You get on a boat. First and foremost, boats are the worst. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. Boats are horrifying. No, not boats, I mean, big big boats like that. Big boats on an not ocean. Not like you're like a, a pontoon boat on a lake. No, is man, that's the best. Wonderful. Speedboat on a lake, pontoon boat on a lake like that, where you can get off the boat and go to have dinner at Dakers or whatever, and then come back and go to camp. That's fine. But when you're on a big boat in the ocean, you're not only stuck on a big boat on the ocean, but that boat 
like, I don't even know how to describe it. If you have any sort of issue with being, like, travel sickness or anything of that caliber, you can't be anywhere on that right? boat like, I feel like without everything shifting all the I feel time. Like that it seems like it would be tough. Head. And boats are, like, gross from what I heard. They're I have, disgusting. I have a friend of mine who works on a cruise ship. He plays drums in, like, the onboard band. And he tells me, like, boats are, like, cesspools. Like, you get, like, Legionnaire's disease. You get on a boat. You like, get everything on those boats. <laughs> you let make me, orange juice, you get scurvy. You it get, happened to the pirates. It is. It's Listen, true. let me tell you this. I saw a news story recently about a guy on a boat. And they uh, something happened, and there was a, a, a maintenance member on the boat. And to watch the video is horrifying. But he got stuck in the elevator, fixing something, and he was crushed. Or he, he was stuck in an elevator. On a he boat? was fi- yeah. Oh. Doesn't that sound like hell on earth? And all you saw was the sheet and the rain of blood coming down the doors of the elevator. Not and to be confused with the down. seminal thrash metal album "Raining Blood" by Slayer. No, that's a completely different okay, animal. That would have been great on that cruise ship. But, uh, I mean, like, they're just horrible. They're awful. Everything on the boat is dirty after a couple of days. Um, so say no to cruises with you to can't say. Honestly, my least favorite part, to be honest with you, is being anywhere where you couldn't see the horizon. I don't do well in that regard. And you'd be, like, at dinner, and all of a sudden your whole table would just shift a little. And it, like, messes with your everything. Nah, I say no to cruises. Okay. I white-knuckled that thing so hard. Uh, I assume that any cruise that's not the love boat would be disappointing for me. I Wait just... a second. On a complete... I'm sorry. On a complete... I'm sorry. This is my moment. Don't ruin this for me. Um, it's always your moment. Okay. Shh. <laughs> I'm a highly educated woman now. I can do what I want. JK. Oh. On the... On the... They have these, like, river cruises. You ever seen these river cruises that go down, like, uh, the Hudson... Not the Hudson, but they go down, like, the, the Mississippi. Mississippi River. Like a casino-style boat? No. They're just these huge cruise ships, and you go on the Mississippi River, and you stop all the way along the Mississippi. That stuff oh, looks amazing. Tight. That's cool. That cool. looks super cool. That. You stop on, like, all sorts of stops in the Mississippi, and you're on the Mississippi, so it's not like you're on the ocean. I they also have that. those Alaskan yeah, cruises. I'm all about river boats. River boats are my jam. Yeah. They always have those Alaskan boats... That are like seriously, you just go around Alaska. Like that looks crazy mm-hmm. too. I just don't like them in the open water of like the Caribbean. Yeah. I'm not just... a big fan of like Caribbean climate anyway. Like that oh, seems like a lot. Too moist. Well, um, <laughs> I would go on a riverboat casino as Heck I was yeah. sort of trying like the movie Maverick. Uh, but this is the last option. This is the one that I sort of like is the beach slash resort getaway vacation where you just pick a location yeah. and rent a location there and then experience various things well, in the- you you said you said two things right there so you said uh, like resorts like all inclusive resort doesn't really sound like that much fun but going and renting a beach house with like yeah, 10 beach house, or 12 right. of your people in like a beach town sounds like a blast cuz that's what we did this year we took my whole family and rented a house in Maine and then mm-hmm. took one car basically and and uh, and just drove around that area for a week and did all the things that there were to do in the area. Now, granted, by the time we got the end of that week, you wanted to kill each other. Well, that's what family's there for. But <laughs> uh, but that being said, it was a cheaper vacation than I expected because you were in total control, really, of the finances you spent because you knew how much you were going to pay for the house. Well, realistically, right? you know you're mean? just in a town. Yeah, you're in a town. You know yeah. what I mean. It was a nice way to spend time with the family, but you also had that freedom to go do other stuff. If you wanted to get away for a little bit, it wasn't totally out of civilization. I think that's the way to go, is to rent like a place. It's kind of what we're doing in New York. We're staying at a buddy of mine's house on the cheap. We don't have to deal with getting a hotel or anything, and we're just yeah. going to walk around until we decide we don't well, want to walk around anymore. That, that's another knock for me with cruises. Like people go on cruises, mm-hmm. like, oh, I've been to Jamaica and I've been to this island. And yeah, this for like forty five minutes. No, you have, that's my trick. Like if I'm going to go somewhere, instead of staying in an all inclusive resort, instead of like getting off at a port and shopping for two hours, 
I want to soak in the culture. So even you get a house in Maine, well, I've never been to Maine, so I'll soak in the culture of Maine. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the way to go. Well, I soaked in some culture out there. We talked I, about yeah, that. Yeah, we know. That's, um, that's that's for, that, no, yeah, we know. We know all about your soaking. Um, Wait, hold on, real quick. I just want to say one thing about that because we didn't do our over unders yet. Oh, we're not gonna. Oh, J.K. Go ahead. Um, every summer growing up, my family did that in, in on the Cape. Oh, that's nice, probably. It was beautiful. That's yeah. very Clinton of you. Shit it. I'm sorry, but, I didn't overpronounce the T. That's very Clinton of you. Thank you. And uh, it was, like, amazing because we were able to sort of stay in a house and, and do those things. And then, once I got to be older, uh, middle school age, we would do that in Sunset Beach, North Carolina, which is an island off the coast of North Carolina, uh, right above the North Carolina-South Carolina border. So every April, you go down. But the cool thing about that was is that all these houses are right on the ocean, right on this island. And you, um, we coordinated with other yeah. families. So other families, like all of my friends' families, all had yeah. houses. So we would go down. All of my friends were there. It we was did, amazing. We did something similar when I was growing up. Because uh, North Carolina sounds interesting to me. Uh, a girl yeah, I know, her beautiful. family goes every year and gets a house. The one that got away, actually. Her and her family go every year down to North Carolina. And I always see it and hear about it. Uh, when I was growing up, my dad and all of his friends that he grew up with, all of his old buddies from high school, they would take one week every year get camps all right near each other on it's Fourth perfect. Lake it's and perfect. they still do it to this year. Now I do similar with my friends. Every year exactly. we all go up and it's uh it's that's yeah. that's nice. If you can coordinate with people, rent some houses, that's the vacation it's, you gotta take. It's amazing. Speaking I'm going of vacations, again this year. we gotta take a vacation from the show right now because I think we're all done. Sarah's giving us the wrap it up sign. Um guys, Aaron, I'm glad to have you back. We yeah um, so next week, I don't know what we're doing yet. We'll figure it out. We're punching. There, there will be a show, but we don't know yeah. what kind of... We might just do the whole Uticast episode in the car on the ride down. I That's think. not the worst idea. I've ever oh, it's had. not. Uh, we'll I'll write in, apparently. <laughs> By the time you guys hear the next show, I'll be 30. How's that work? Woo! 30, 40, 30. Dirty. Dirty 30. Woo! The dirtiest of us.